0: guys it is January 21st 2021 it's another day and another challenge and I am your host Samantha K and this is the Samantha K experience hi guys wow it's been a while I haven't heard from you guys since last week or the week before actually um a little tidbit of information that I want to drop to you guys um Last week I was supposed to uh, do an episode and honestly the same day that I was supposed to drop episode number four, I was feeling pretty bad so I didn't get the chance to record anything at all that day. And I kept um, saying I was gonna do it, I was gonna do it, I was gonna do it, and then all of a sudden it's like things kept getting in the way. The next day, which was like Wednesday, I was like well I'm gonna have time to do it and then I was like oh my god it's like there was so many different things going on I just got just couldn't get the chance to record then it got to the point where I was like well let me record on a Saturday and it was like oh no that's not happening and I was like oh crap so I was like well you know what I guess this is not going to work <laughs> for me and then Sunday came and I was like well this is a brand new week now so what am I gonna do and I was like well for one you have to change the entire show because the things that you wanted to review um from the previous show um you didn't get to review them so it was like oh great so now I have to change episodes four and then possibly make another two-part episode which was like okay we've been there done that but now I'm like all right let me just uh you know do another two-parter and then maybe episode five you know, later on in the week. So finally, I I'm here and I've had some time to sit down and record. So here we go. All right. So I know last episode I talked about reviewing um the two movies called Breaking One and Breaking Two. Well, unfortunately, I know I'm not able to record. Uh, review breaking because I didn't get the chance to review breaking at all and it's kind of like well you know I I promised you guys this and then I didn't do it especially since it unfortunately the actor uh Shabadoo had passed away um in December so I just wanted to um do a tribute to him because of the fact that you know he was so influential and um breakdancing and just dancing in general so I just wanted to um kind of do like a retro review on those two movies but unfortunately like I said I didn't get a chance to do that because it's been one heck of a week but so I had to change the lineup for the show uh today we're going to be talking about uh the a couple of movies um A movie called rebecca starring uh, lily james and army hammer it's on. it's also on netflix it's like a romance uh thriller movie and i'm gonna get to that in a second uh another movie that i watched recently was the kissing booth uh starring uh, joey king it's a uh coming of age uh, teenage drama movie Uh, the first movie um, came out in 2018 It's also on netflix and it's a part of a a trilogy i believe they just finished um filming the third movie and it's in post-production now for this year um both the first movie and the second movie is now on netflix um the second movie i believe came out uh last year in 2020 and i'm gonna be talking a little bit about that as far as the tv shows um I did start. I just started watching. What? I just started watching. Um. The show called The Ripper. On Netflix. I know. I, I watch a lot of Netflix shows. And I'm trying to change that up a little bit, guys. But yeah. I am. I did watch all the episodes of Ripper. It was a limited series. Um. It was about the. Well. I would just. <laughs> I would say it's about um, murder, obviously from the title of the the name. So I'm going to go over that. It's only one TV show that I'm going to cover today because i for time constraints and I didn't want to like, you know, bombard the, the show with so much, um, so much stuff. So here we go. And also for the book reviews, I am going to just cover um, Love Olympus. By Rachel Smythe I know that I talked about this at least maybe two or three times before um, I think twice already um, um, but I like reading the story I don't know what is it about the story that captain baits me so much I think it's because of the um, I yes it is the mythology but I just love the way how she writes these characters because these characters especially between Persephone and Hades it's like they seem very relatable you know with Hades being like the older guy and you know more experienced more mature but then he's unsure of himself and, and how he is you know how he feels about Persephone but yeah it's a really good series um I'm gonna get back into more detail about it in a short while. And one thing I actually have to bring up, I mean, I don't know if I should bring it up, but I guess it's because of reasons for uh anchor for us podcasters to bring this up. Okay. So, we have this thing called listener support and basically is where we come and ask for donations and stuff like that. So, Listening support is to just help, you know, podcasters like myself, you know, stay active and be consistent throughout, you know, the fiscal year. So, if you guys would like to contribute to my show, I would be greatly appreciative of it. Um, If you could donate anything from 99 cents to even maybe $10 or so, you guys can um, feel free to support the show. Is something as small as 99 cents or or a dollar it would be greatly appreciated to help keep the show going and your support is very very much needed and very much loved and I'm eternally grateful for. It. Okay, so let's start the show. All right, so the movie reviews, right? So Rebecca, Rebecca, like I said, stars um Lily James and Army Hammer and before I go in more detail about this movie there's some spoilers here so if you don't want to hear the spoilers and you just want to hear my thoughts on the the movie you can feel free to skip ahead or just stop and then go on to the next um the next review but yeah this movie yo first of all I was like okay a few weeks ago I saw this movie right and Rebecca I would say you know typically it, it, you know I like to be more of like an eclectic verb uh, person like I would like to watch different things and you know I don't like to stay in the same bubble um, so I'm pretty much all over the place in terms of, of watching like movies and TV shows and my even my music is very like different styles and genres so i watched rebecca and i'm like rebecca what is this about so then i see his army hammer and i'm like okay that's the guy from lone ranger and i was like "Mm, all right you know what i'm just gonna give this movie a try because it looked judging from the trailer it looked pretty decent like i didn't know um really anything and the description was kind of vague it was just like oh this handsome widower um, meets this girl or whatever and then things happen to go awry once he moves her back to his house I was like that is like the most vaguest description like I've ever heard to describe a movie like I was like what the hell is this so I was like you know what you have my attention, let me go and click on this shit. So, I go, I press play. Rebecca starts off like kinda slow because she doesn't even meet the main character, meet him. Uh, I think his name is Maxim in the movie. Uh, he, She doesn't meet Maxim like right, right, right away. She's working for this older lady and the older lady's like kind of like a bitch. Um, she was like, well, you know, she's like of kind of like a high society kind of lady. Um, I, I think she's like her, her, I want to say her ward or her steward or something like that. But I don't know the exact title of what you would call her because she seems more like a, um like a, I want to say a girl Friday or a, or something like a secretary or, or, um, I don't know. I, I I don't know what Lily James's character like. What her specific title to this old lady? I I want to say she was like her assistant. Yeah, assistant. So I was like, okay. So news got that Maxim was coming to this resort place. I, I believe this they were in Europe somewhere. And this movie is a is a period piece. I think it's like somewhere it takes place maybe in the twenties or thirties. So you know the clothes are different, and the, you know the the there's accents. I think there's like a, I think they might be in France. There might so I because I remember the gentleman who hands her a note um that works there. I think he had like a French accent. So it could be some or or, or French-speaking country. It could even be Monaco for all we know. So um one day. She tells, tells um, the character, uh, Lily James' character, that, oh, Mr. Maxim DeWinter, he's a widower and he's coming to stay at this place that they're at. This resort has a lot of um, well-to-do um, people. So, um, I'm sorry, I'm just looking up to uh, remember what Lily James' character's name was and I'm just like, kind of like, uh all right um I don't wanna keep calling her Lily James's character (laughs) it's kind of insulting so um I'm trying to find her name really quickly oh wow that's like really not helpful at all they just call her Mrs. DeWinter I mean but I'm pretty sure homegirl had a name prior to that (sighs) all right (laughs) but anyway um so when the movie first starts it's kind of slow And when they meet, um, eventually the, the older lady, she's like, well, you know, he's, he's a widower and she's trying to get like, to like get in with him, but he really seems not to be bothered. And he just seems like very, I want to say despondent, but he's like, I really don't want to be bothered type of thing but I think one day at at breakfast or at lunch um the he sees how the lady treats her like very dismissive and very rude and stuff because she wants to sit down and read her book and then it's like or write her book I think she was writing in her journal or she was right she was reading something and they were like well you can't sit here because it's for certain types of people and she's like what so he says well she's with me and he was just doing her a favor i don't think it meant to be like i'm gonna fall in love with this girl i'm just helping her out because the lady that she works with is a complete bitch and i just don't like the fact that she's treating this this poor girl this poor woman like this so i think that's what where where their connection is on that so um okay her name the only the lady's name is um, mrs. Van Hopper oh in then Monte Carlo Wow I said Monica but that was close enough okay so yeah guys um they really don't give this child a name so it just got her call- okay I'm getting mad now cuz they really don't have this girl have a name and I'm pretty sure in the movie she had a name. Okay, anyway, all right, so I guess we'll call her by her name. So here's the thing. So she goes and Mrs. Van Hopper is like, she notices that Mrs. Van Hopper takes sick. I don't know if it's because she, I think she was out on a, like a drinking binge with a couple of friends and she was saying a lot of derogatory things about the girl because it's like, oh, the girl, um, is this and that. And she's like, she's so stupid and I don't know why I keep her. And then she, you know, she was just saying a lot of reckless things about her and like to her friends she's met like these two ladies and stuff and they were dr- these old ladies and they were like sitting around drinking one night and it was just talking and she was just talking a whole bunch of crap about this girl and the girl's like really i want to say she's very timid but she's shy uh, like she is shy but it's like she's not really assertive in that regard and then all of a sudden it's like well you know what um I was like, wow, Mrs. Van Hopper, you're a piece of shit. Like, this girl works for you and she's do- she does your bidding and you, tr- you talk crap about her like this behind her back. So, that was one of those things, like, I really and truly don't like about certain characters because it's like, this girl doesn't have a family, her- both her parents are dead, and there's nobody else. And, the, and you're sitting here talking about how stupid she is and this, that, and the third. And I'm like, wow, that's pretty horrible. So... Just by happenstance, which I, th- which I thought was hilarious, and she just deserves this. She gets sick. I think she had like a hangover or something like that. So she's throwing up, and she goes and gets <clears> the <throat> doctor. While Mrs. Van Hopper is laid up for like a few days in bed, sick as a dog. Um. The girl uh, goes into goes downstairs and she tries to like hang out and read and stuff like that in the um, the dining area. And the guys are like, "Well, you can't stay here because you know, I guess she's a she doesn't come from um, money. She doesn't have that certain type of ilk." So she, Mister uh, De Winter, Maxim, he sees her says, hey, she's with me. And then she's like, thank you for letting me sit here. He's like, no problem. And he's just like reading his newspaper or whatever. It's like, I don't think they even had that much in in words exchanged between the two of them. So moving along, uh, eventually um, he sees her more and more. And she sees him, they start hanging out. So every time she will leave Mrs. Van Hopper in the room, she would go and she would get a note from um one of the the, the fine people working in this establishment and it's always for them to go and hang out. So he takes her to a place where uh I think his wife, his his um his dead wife used to come when they first came to the on their honeymoon. So I'm like hey, okay, this is kind of weird. Why would you take her to your dead wife where a place a dead wife was familiar with? So I'm like all right. so when she starts asking questions about what happened to Mrs. Winter, um Rebecca, which is the, the wife's name, he's very like distant he doesn't want to talk about it and i guess it's understandable because you know she just died like maybe 6 months prior so he's still going through the motions of grief and you know so you just want to give him some time to think so eventually things turn a little bit more spicy with the, between the two of them and he takes her out on another date and he's, I remember this one part that had me kind of like, oh, okay, that was random. There was a part where, um, he goes and he's looking through a micro, uh, he called a microscope? <laughs> it's a periscope, <laughs> it's a periscope, but te- yeah, it's a periscope. And she's like, he's like, oh my, um, oh, okay, maybe we should leave. And then I'm like, what is he looking at? Because it was a beautiful, it was a beautiful um, part where they're looking, there's like nice water and then there was a boat, on a boat out there. So they're like, what's going on? She's like, oh, well, I wanna see. He's like, I'm pretty sure you don't want to. And then she looks through the periscope, there's a couple on the same boat having sex right there on, on the outside on top of the boat. And I was like, oh my, um, okay. And then he's like, well, I I was trying to shield you from that. And she's like, oh, then somehow, some way, that kind of leads into them eventually having sex. And I was like, oh, so we're just going to do this right here on the beach then. Okay. And he takes her back to um, the hotel after they had sex on the beach. (laughs) And, you know, oh, I forgot one thing. He also lets her drive his car so she's also learning she sort of is kind of mm, sort of familiar with and without driving so he teaches her sort of speak or lets her learn how to how to drive since she doesn't really have access to a car like that so that's a little tidbit that you know i had to put in there um so basically rebecca um the movie transitions into Mrs. Van Hopper finds out that her assistant is spending a lot of time with uh, Maxim. She starts telling her, like, oh, do you think, she's giving her, like, crap about, oh, pretty much, like, do you really think that he's really interested in you? Like, you're just, um, you know, uh, of the flavor of the week, pretty much. And, you know, you're just very naive and being very stupid. And I'm tired of, um, I think she said she was tired of Europe or she was tired of the place that they were at and she was going to move back. And the girl was like, I don't want to leave. And she's like, well, you don't have a choice because you work for me. So she was upset and she eventually ran into Maxim and told him that this is what the lady was trying to do. And he was like, well, the only way to get out of this is if you just become my wife. And he was, I was like, whoa, that's a bit extreme, buddy. Like, what the fuck? Like, you guys know each other for a little equivalent of maybe, what, two fucking weeks? Like, two, three weeks? Wait, what the hell? So, he goes, and he goes to the, the, they both go to Mrs. Van Hopper, and they announce their engagement. Mrs. Van Hopper tells him straight to his face, like, oh, she's happy, she's thrilled, and this, that, and the third. And then, no sooner than he leaves, um, she just starts tearing into the assistant and says, oh, you don't know anything about love? and he's just pretty much gonna leave you. And, you know, she was very uh, much of a Debbie Downer. And then the girl, her first moment of assertiveness, she tells her like, well, you don't know what you're talking about and I wanna be with him and I love him and that's it. And she leaves and she she closes her door. So she ends up, uh, so the movie kind of jumps a bit. Um, we don't know when exactly they got married but they show it in pictures um that they get married it wasn't like anything really serious it wasn't like a whole bunch of friends and family came it's kind of like on the fly type of wedding so um they get married they apparently have their honeymoon and he's like I'm gonna take you back to Mandalay which is my house and I'm like okay so this is where the movie's gonna pick up because it's kind of um dry within the first half hour of the movie so it's like you really have to stay in on top of the movie just to make sure like if there's a uh, to see if there's a point so basically they go they go back to mandalay and the first thing you notice is a character called mrs danvers who is his wife's former uh caretaker assistant mrs danvers obviously has a typical trope of this lady is not to be trifled with it's like she just has this air about her it's just like listen bitch like you're in my domain now so whatever i say goes so mrs um danvers doesn't take kindly to the new mrs de winter everything that this girl does is wrong she what does she do she gets chastised a sort of for not asking Mrs. Danvers for help at uh, anything because the new Mrs. DeWinter wants to be more independent and I get it because now she's free from her obligations from Mrs. Van Hopper so she wants to live comfortable and wants to get to know like the the goings on in the mandalay house she's not used to this type of of waiting on me hand and foot type of thing she's not used to that lifestyle so she's trying to do things and still be her own independent person we get that but then mrs danvers starts doing the most and don't get me wrong the main character mrs DeWinter, she does pretty some stupid shit too like there was a, a room that, um, had all of Rebecca's, um, invitations and her figurines and stuff, she goes, she accidentally breaks one of them and puts them inside of a little cubby area, and then later on in the movie, one of the, um, the staff members of the house gets blamed for breaking the thing, no, for stealing it, so Maxim and, and, and Mrs. Danvers, I believe it was at the time, or another, no, another, um, servant is pretty much getting on this poor young man for for breaking or for stealing this thing and he's like I didn't do it I didn't do it I didn't do it so then she finally comes up and she confesses yes it was me I accidentally broke it and um and Mrs. Danvers was like well what did you do with it I said it's inside the cubby area or whatever and then Maxim was already pissed off from a previous situation And he's like, well, that's just good to know that, you know, then we find out in the movie that Maxim sleepwalks and then she follows him, um, sleepwalking and she went to go touch him because he's going to this other room that's on the other side of the house where Rebecca used to be. And Mrs. Danvers, who's obviously don't sleep and creeping around the goddamn house like she owned the place tells her don't touch him because you can't touch um sleepwalking people it's very dangerous to wake them and he goes into the room and then that's it and then he closes she closes the door so then the poor mrs de winter gotta go back to her room alone in, the, in this, this big ass house with her man you know in this room doing god knows what so i'm like maybe she's having an affair with somebody or something So at this point, you really don't know entirely what the hell's going on in this movie because you're like, okay, this movie went from nice little romantic, sweet, you know, semi-boring couple, you know, to why am I seeing seeing this guy sleepwalking? And then when when she asks him about it, he's like, well, have a nice day, you know, enjoy your breakfast. And then just leaves the parlor room and it's like, what the hell? So it was a lot of things where he he did certain things that just came came off very like dismissive and disrespectful, and I'm like, wow, okay. So moving on ahead, it was like then she starts seeing Rebecca's ghost and just flowing through the house. I remember there was one there was one point where it was a cringe moment. She said she wanted to keep having, they used to have these, um, these events, these ball gown events at the house where, uh, Rebecca used to sell them, used to host them. And she was coming up with, trying to come up with an idea of what to wear. So at one point when she goes into the, the, the wing that Rebecca used to stay in, everything is just completely about Rebecca, her hairbrushes, her clothes, her, um, you know, every little thing, like certain things is just embroidered with the letter R in it. They even kept her old stationery, like it was just like, Rebecca this all the time. Like there was no, it's, the main character just could not escape none of the stuff that was involving Rebecca. And you would think that a woman who passed away six months ago you would have gotten rid of at least a lot of her shit instead of keeping it in the house. And then the man marries this new girl. And it's not like the staff didn't know that he married her. Word had to have been, had to get out. And he sent it back to Mandalay saying that I'm remarried and this, that, and the third. All of a sudden now it's like Rebecca this all the time. So now the main characters start feeling a certain type of way. And eventually she discovers like, this weird decrepit beach house that has like, um, like the um it has like something that she discovered like a um those little round circle things that you see on the boat that has like the the boat's name on it. Um, it kind of looks like a I want to say it's like a a wreath, but it's not a wreath. Um, I don't know. I'm not into. Uh, you know boats and stuff like that. So I can't really describe it all that well. So she goes and she sees all of this stuff. And then she sees like this weird guy who who's um, hiding behind a curtain. And her Rebecca's dogs are drawn to this guy. And she goes and the guy's like oh... This is um, the lady's dog and she doesn't come around anymore, you know, and then it starts to unravel certain things like what happened to Rebecca? So then Mrs. DeWinter outright asks what happened to her. The husband, Maxim, shuts down again. He's like, he's really not trying to talk about this. He's like, did she die out here? Did she drown? Did she, you know, what happened? And then his friend, his close friend, um, essentially is like, well, you know, um, yeah, she did drown. Um, no, she died out here. Well, yeah, they said that she, she, she drowned, but um, no one really wants to talk about it. Because he was like, oh, he didn't tell you how she died. And she's like, no. And he's like, oh, my God, poor Maxim. You know, so you start feeling kind of bad for him. It's like, well, why is he so dis- like distant when it comes to talking about this? You would think that he would want to get it off his chest. Uh-uh. The man is just like, don't want to talk about it. I don't want to hear it. Leave me alone. So, it later comes out. Uh, Mrs. DeWinter, Rebecca, the first wife, had a cousin named Favelle. Favelle? Yep, he's like a he's an asshole um mrs danvers apparently invites him to the house and this is where the movie is getting kind of like okay what's the what's where we get into the point in this mrs danvers is a conniving woman she's all pro rebecca even after rebecca's death so she's like well she's gonna make this man suffer. It comes out that Favelle is a cousin of Rebecca. And the night that Rebecca died, she sent him a letter stating that she has something important to tell him. And she, he didn't know what. By the time that she showed up, he showed up, she was already dead. She was already missing. So now the fingers point to Maxim that Maxim probably killed her. So now Miss The new Mrs. DeWinter has to figure out whether or not she actually, you know she married a murderer. So Favel teaches her teaches her how to ride a horse. And I admit the guy's kind of creepy because it kind of comes off as if he's trying to push up on her at the same time, but not really push up on her. And even the same horse that they're riding used to belong to Rebecca. So they was going out of their way to make this woman feel like. She will never be up to the same standards of Rebecca. So there goes the same theme again from the beginning of the movie that basically specifies that, you know what? You ain't nothing because you're, you don't come from the same class. You'll never achieve that same level of status. So that was that was pretty much what I was understanding, the driving force after throughout this movie. When I, Now that I sit back and think about it, so, well, Rebecca is, you know, her ghost is running around the house. The main character sees her. It's like, what the fuck is going on? Because this lady's starting to go, and I feel like she started to, to, her sanity started to break. So, <laughs> eventually, um, Rebecca was like, well, haunting this poor girl. I don't know if it's because out of guilt or whatever, but it seems like she was trying to tell her something. It comes out that later on, um, while everyone goes to the beach, it is discovered that Rebecca actually didn't die exactly the way how they said she did. They discovered a boat, her boat that she had out on, um, that she used to, to go out on. They discovered it and pulled out her completely decomposed body out of the water. So now it leads to question, who the hell was it that Maxim identified the body in the morgue? So then there's a case, there's a trial. And Favelle at one point tries to blackmail about $10,000 from um, Maxim and the current Mrs. DeWinter because he feels that um, Maxim killed his cousin. And now, then the movie comes to find out. Maxim then reveals later on in the movie, and here's a twist. Mrs. DeWinter says something about, oh, I know it's hard for you because you loved her. And he was like, loved her? I hated her. And I'm like, whoa, what the hell's going on here? So, the whole time you're thinking this man don't want to talk about his dead wife because it hurts too much no it's not that he don't want to talk about it about her because it hurts too much he doesn't want to talk about her because quite frankly he couldn't stand the bitch apparently it discovers that Rebecca was like the biggest hole the, and a biggest hole ever like apparently she was having an affair with her own cousin she was um having an affair with um um maxim's best friend because it was alluded to to that as well and there was like i think some other guy she might have been sleeping with and then pretty much the parties that she was keeping and hosting at the house was just a way for her to meet new guys and sleep with them as well. Apparently she was a wild child. I, f- I feel like Rebecca and Maxim's marriage was a marriage of convenience. Uh, and the way how the marriage was set up was that Rebecca would turn around, sleep with these guys or whatever. And then she would just ridicule her husband. So it was one of those things like, he was happy she was gone so then it comes to find out it's alluded that um before she died she alluded that she told Maxim um that she was pregnant anyway and she said would it be funny if um I ended up being pregnant and it wasn't even your child so it was like wow this room is a real so you're thinking Is he telling her telling the new the new wife this because of reasons or like what really happened? So essentially he did kill her, but it was more like she begged him to. So Rebecca apparently writes the letter to her cousin telling him that she has something important to tell him to make him aware that something might be wrong the same time she goes she tells um maxim all of this crap and she says hey if you want to end end it all and don't and, you know how about you just shoot me apparently maxim maxim did and if i guess must be in a fit of rage or just you know distress um he shoots her puts her body in the boat um and lets the boat go out to sea and, I guess, um, drown her. I, guess. I think he said she was already dead by the time that, um, that um, you know, I think he said she was already dead. So, he put her body on the boat and and then let nature or whatever take its course. He ran the boat aground, which caused the boat to sink. So, I think he thought no one was going to find the boat, but unfortunately something digged it up, and then here comes the boat. So, um, and then he also had identified the body at the morgue, and he thought it was her. So, he didn't know that the body was still underwater the whole time, so he thought it was hurt. So when the court case comes now, the new Mrs. DeWinter is taking more of an assertive role because she realizes that after he told her the story, she's like, something is wrong here. Something has to there has to be evidence to clear him to say that he didn't kill her intentionally. So she was like, so they said that she went to go and see a doctor about the pregnancy. So nobody knew who this doctor was. So the main character she goes and ends up finding out, hey guess what? She wasn't, she finds a doctor in England or whatever it was and discovers in her medical records, by the way, breaking into the medical, the man's medical records is a crime in itself. So they discover that she was not pregnant at all. She was experiencing nausea because she had terminal fucking cancer. Okay, that made it seem like, and they said that her belly was was, was um, getting a bit big because that was the tumor. That's what made it seem like she was getting pregnant and because and, and she had asked to have her clothes let out a bit. So, with that being said, she had terminal fucking cancer. One, she never told Mrs. Danvers that she had the cancer because when she first... When they first discovered the medical records, they were looking for her actual name. That would have been too easy. So if she put everything in Mrs. Danvers' last name, but only her first name. And then that's what happened. So then they found the records. Favel basically makes this whole big-ass scene about how he was going to kill him because he killed his baby. I am like, first of all, Ill, you was having sex with your own cousin. And then... You tried to tell Maxim about how you was hoping that he would share his wife with the uh, with him and the others that they used to do the same thing with Rebecca. And I never felt so happy in my life to see somebody get punched in their face. Maxim punches him in his face. I'm like, oh, he should have beat your ass even further. But then she was like, Maxim, no. She kept trying to control Maxim. I'm like, no, I just let him beat him up. He deserves it. He's he's trying to extort money. Then he trying to say that. He trying to hold you up like they did his cousin? No, nah, we're not doing that. No, like what kind of man would sit there and let his wife get get ran up on like that? You know, and you just married this woman. So what are you doing? At least he gives a shit more about this girl than he gave a shit about his first wife. So I was like, all right, well, you know what? This is too much for me. This movie was like over two hours long, and then I was like, okay. Mrs. De, Mrs. Danvers, at one point, burns down... She finds out that, you know, he sort of... Taught, he killed her. Killed Mrs. DeWinter, the Rebecca one. And she's like, oh, I'm living to torment him the way he tormented her. And I'm like, hold up. Mrs. DeWinter, I understand loyalty is a thing to you. But... Your lady was a complete slut and a and, and a really nasty, mean person. She ruined this man's life and made it look like he outright just killed her when she was, knew she was dying of terminal cancer and just put and basically forced him to do a mercy killing. That's really messed up. And then she sent and then before that she sends the note to make it seem like she like she um was murdered. To make it seem like he he found out that she was pregnant and she killed him and he killed her in a jealous rage that's messed up even after that you just didn't care like that your own your own boss was like a you know i was like wow that's loyalty to to a fault so she was like okay well i don't care about all of this and that doesn't even matter he did it anyway i'm like but those extenuating circumstances plus she had terminal cancer and she didn't tell you so how much does she actually really give a shit about your opinion and you're sitting there brushing her hair and thinking about all these memories and all this other stupid shit but and and, and treating her, the new mrs um the winter like crap like helping her design a ball gown and her and put on a wig to make it look like it was his um his I think it's his cousin or something like that no not his cousin his his great aunt and from a portrait and have one of the other maids help her out and then when she comes downstairs to, at the party Maxim based her because apparently it was an outfit uh, that that um that Rebecca had custom made for her, her herself and you set her up to make her look bad. You're saying you're gonna help her and, and she's like, You saying to help me, to and the third. And she was like, Oh, you don't think that you're ever going to be like her. You're never going to be. I'm like, what is what's doing? these people and thinking because somebody is of different standards doesn't mean that they have to be the same way. They could be just themselves. They don't have to live you try you wanna force them to be live up to the expectations. Now, I'm gonna tell you one thing. At the end of this movie, he's cleared of the he's cleared of the charges, and it comes to find out Mrs. Danvers, in a fit of her stupidity, burns down all of Mandalay. So then, when Mrs. De Winter comes, and she finds her at the at the edge of the cliff, she's like, "Please don't do this. Do not kill yourself." And she was like, "Oh, I'm going to see to it that you you two um deserve each other." Something like that. She says, "Oh, she was going to ruin them." And I'm like, how is your death going to... So she jumps off the cliff into the water. And I'm like... Okay, good riddance? I shrug, Because I was like, well... Even if there was something that you... You know... You decided that you were going to get back at them. How is your death going to accomplish that? Unless you set up a whole series of SAW events that, that was going to happen. So I was like, anyway movies like okay now here's my point of view on the movie um I know there was like some details that I left out like the fact that um uh I was gonna say something I just completely forgot <laughs> so my basic thing understanding of the movie is like well they ended up being together and they they're living I think in a hotel and you could tell from, like, the main character. Like, she's a lot more different now. And she stood by her husband. And, you know, she's looking through the wedding pictures and, and places that they've been. And they are planning on, you know. But then it looked like there might have been the ghost of Rebecca probably inside of her. I don't know if, if it was just me when she hugged him at the end. Like, something with her eye. Like, I don't know if that was, like, the spirit of Rebecca in her or or something changed in the character because it seemed like she went from being an innocent naive kind of like shy girl to more assertive like she finally changed towards like maybe I would say like two-thirds of the film because it it is like you had to break down her 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 mental state And then when pushed in a situation where it's a do or die situation. And she was about to lose the person that she she actually loved. Then it was like a light switch went off. So there was like a change in her. Now here's my personal opinion on certain things about the movie. Once I found out that I think for me. I, I feel like loyalty goes a long way and, and I'm gonna just get all of this out in one shot hopefully without messing up loyalty goes a long way and I feel like if you take away certain elements of this movie it would just been a, a regular romantic comedy romantic movie in the first place so I'm gonna keep the thrilling stuff inside My personal opinion, and I spoke to a friend of mine about it because I I asked him to watch the movie and tell me what he thought about it. My personal opinion about it is, if I was the new Mrs. DeWinter and I understand that I married you and I don't really know a lot about you, the fact that you're not telling me how your first wife died and why you refuse to talk about it, that's an instant red flag for me two you got staff here that is doing the most to me setting me up for failure as a Miss Danvers and then you keep telling me that she's nothing to worry about and to leave her be and I'm like nah this bitch is a problem so when I tried to fire her the first time you overrode it and then the second time that I tried to fire her that was it I got rid of her because she was doing the most because she set them up she lied and said that she never invited the cousin to the house when she clearly did because one of the staff members even said so and then she lied lied to him and said that she never invited he just invited himself so which meant that mrs danvers was out to get get them from the very beginning once he came back to mandalay that was the problem she wanted to ruin him so it didn't even really matter if he married somebody else. It was just, that was just the icing on the cake. She was out to ruin this man because she felt that he murdered her her mistress. And she stood by this woman's side from when she was a little and she raised her. Obviously you didn't raise her with scruples because she was like a mean hoe. So she was over here gallivanting and then sleeping um, with the man's friends. You sleep with your own cousin. And then it's like, ew, what? And then I'm sitting here like, okay, this is nasty. And then then the concept of you want to project all your your negativity on a man's new unsuspecting wife. And then you get mad because she didn't come to you for help. You wasn't going to help her anyway because she wasn't Rebecca. She even said it so much as that you would never be her. You think you you may have his name. You're not you're not Mrs. DeWinter. And I'm just like, wow, this is pretty shitty. The girl don't know nothing that's going on. And then this is what she's being told. So, one, I'm telling you, if he's not telling me the truth and being forthcoming, that's a red flag. Two, you got staff here that's walling and doing the most. That's also a red flag. If I'm sitting here seeing ghosts and stuff and all that, yeah, I think it's time for me to be out. From the moment that he went off to go to England to do something, I'd have been like, you know what? I'm going to pack my bags and I'm going to leave. Fuck Mandalay. I don't know where the hell am I going to go, but I'm not staying here. Because I don't want to be around Duppy, and and, and Duppy's a ghost. But I don't want to be around that. So, I'd have been out. And I'm like, yo, there was a perfect spot for her where she could have left. And she chose not to leave. And I'm like, Okay. I respect that she wants to stay and tough it out with him because she loves him. She's falling deeply in love with him, even though that this, mar- this was a marriage that was not conventional. I get it. But come on, like, seriously. So I was like, nah, I'm, I, I, I'd have been out, you know, because <laughs> it's just certain things that not telling me that you murdered your first wife or you shot her or whatever, or you you assistant suicide her or something like that. That would be a kind of like a hmm. I need to sit down and really, you know, reevaluate some things about this relationship and where is it going. But yeah. Overall, I think it was a good movie. Would I watch it again? Probably, maybe. I'm not really too sure. I'm not so sure about it. I probably would like watch it for part for things that I didn't see the first time that I'm picking up the second time, like, little, um, little, like, little bits and pieces that I feel like I might have missed out on the first time. But overall, I think it was just, like, a a one-term thing, a one-time thing for me. Um, yeah, and that was Rebecca. Like, it was wild. Like, I was just, like, what in the heck is going on? And why is this girl so, so, so by this guy like what is he shown you since you moved to mandalay that he was really in love with you rather than maybe sleeping to you, sleeping with you a couple of times like i don't know if that's gonna be a thing like i i just i don't think that will be a thing for me but that's just how these movies set up some some of these main characters to be and that's what we got to go with All right, guys, now moving on to The Kissing Booth by starring Joey King. I mentioned earlier that it was a uh, teen uh, comedy. And basically, it's about um, these two characters who share the same birthday. I think the birthday was July 7th, if I wasn't mistaken. So their moms know each other. They were like best friends and they give birth. And one character's name is, I believe is it ellen yeah ellie her character character's name is ellie evans and lee flynn so it's a boy and a girl and oddly enough here's an interesting tidbit um the woman that plays lee's mom is 80s um part of the rat pack i think she was part of the rat pack is Molly Ringwald and I was like holy crap Molly, Molly Ringwald is in this movie and I was like yes, this is bringing me back to like the John Hughes era of teen teen coming-of-age movies cuz I grew up watching John Hughes movies like I used to watch 16 candles and and stuff like that and I was like holy crap like you know it was kind of like like a nice little nostalgic moment there so these two two characters they grow up um because their moms are best friends. Unfortunately, Elle's mom has an illness. She ends up passing away when Elle is like maybe 14 years old. Um, So the two families still keep in contact with each other um, because of the connection that Elle and Lee have as friends. Elle and Lee also like to dance at an arcade on the dance game which is like the equivalent of DDR so they have that much in love in common and they have these set of rules that they both try to abide by as they're getting a little bit older so at by 16 years old um but like 15 16 they go to a high school I think it's like maybe a because the high school they wear uniforms and on Elle's first day Elle's first date, she rips her pants and her other set of pants is in the dry cleaners. She doesn't have time so she wears she wears like her ninth grade uh, skirt and the thing is so super short. One of these kids, one of the kids um, grabs her butt and she turns around and um, Lee is going to say something but then the guy goes and tries to punch Lee. Out of nowhere Lee's older brother Noah comes and trucks the guy ground and pounds him the principal comes and breaks it up on the first day of school for I think junior year and then all of a sudden she gets in trouble so all three of them get in trouble um the so Noah ends up in detention she ends up in detention for violating the dress code and so does the bully because of you know what he did grabbing her butt and you know technically they both fought so um i'm gonna tell you right now i can see why some people have a problem with this movie because it's like this is like uh, maybe i guess in some eyes it might be a little stereotypical so what you think is maybe l and lee may get together uh that's not what happens Lee and Elle are like the true best friends. Like there's no romantic um, interest between the two of them, at least as far as I know from this movie, there's no romantic interest between the two of them. Um, but Elle ends up falling for um, for Noah, who is the older brother. And even though, he's supposed to be off limits because they have a rule which is rule number 19 do not fall for your best friend's um brother or whatever so she has to try to fight the urges of falling for noah noah is very 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 rude it's like he's it's kind of hard to see why somebody would want to fall in love with noah because noah is the type of guy that he's he is rough he is the bad boy and as he pointed out that the reason why he he ended up doing what he did in the movie was he used to he used to warn other guys from dating l because he didn't want them to mess with her so when she agrees to go out with the bully the bully stands her up so she find, so the bully goes and come and tells her, like, listen, I'm sorry. The reason why I didn't come to the date is because Noah told me not to mess with you because you were off limits that nobody's allowed to date you. So she got mad and she called Noah and she's like, Listen, you cannot ruin run my life. You have no right to do so. Then he says, I'll see you'll see about that. I'm like, bro, are you serious? Like who does that? Like you 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 know, so it was just one of those things like He does things that makes you seem like... He seems like he has too much of a hold, like, authority on her life. And they weren't even dating at the time. So, eventually, um, they want to make, raise some money for school. And they decide to come up with a kissing booth. So, these girls, the OMGs, um, one girl, uh, Lee has a a thing for, um... I think her name is Marie so he has a thing for her and they said um they said that they wanted to be part of the kissing thing because they wanted his older brother because not for nothing the older brother is kind of hot like you know he is kind of cute so I get it but it's just a fact that Noah doesn't want to do it because he was like yo I'm not doing that stupidness so um L lied to everybody on the committee that she's going to get him to join the kissing booth. So as the movie progressed and stuff, um, eventually, um, Noah agrees to do the kissing booth and the girls set her up because they realized that she didn't get, get the right Flynn to do it. She's like, well, as promised, I'm gonna get, um, Flynn to do it so then they find out the girls were like well yeah we only wanted to do this because we thought Noah was gonna do it we don't want 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 him so he got offended and then like a lot of girls left and then there was one girl that remained now she's his new girlfriend I can't remember her name now too so I'm just gonna call her Rachel so him and Rachel go out on a date at the carnival where the kissing booth was at they seemingly have a good time So when there's like an hour left of the kissing booth she turns around and um el is like well hey you know there's an hour left and he leaves her to go off and hang out with the girl and the omgs um tell her that you know um she's up next to go and do the kissing booth because nobody else is there and so she's like, okay, I'm not sure if I really wanna do this. So they blindfold her. And I don't know when Noah comes up and he skips um, one of the other characters. I don't know the guy's name, but he's part of like the nerdy group. So he's like, oh, um, you wanna uh, skip me? He's like, oh, sure, thanks, dude. So he skips him and he goes and he kisses Elle. But Elle feels like the fireworks is there. So she ends up feeling like when she discovers that it's him and people are taking pictures in front of the entire, like, student body, everybody's like, oh, well, you know, oh, shit, you know. And she says, now she feels like she wants to kiss him again. So now the feelings are coming stronger, but she's not sure that, you know, their feelings aren't reciprocated. Um, One night that, so after that, she walks home, after they collect the money from the kissing booth, and she's on her way home, it starts to rain. So he, he picks her up on his motorcycle and tries to drive her, but the rain is so bad that they're sliding on the road. So he has to turn around and then take his time to um to, you know, get everything settled. And he's like, well, he takes it to the they managed to to get to the spot where it's like a um I want to say it's like a gazebo. And she goes and she starts, she she kisses him again. And then they get, they get broken up by a security guard that tells him, hey, Noah, what did I tell you to keep, stop bringing girls here. So she got mad and she left. She's like, are you serious? So she gives him back his jacket and his helmet. And he was like, well, um, when can I see you again? So she kind of started smiling a bit and she ends up they end up secretly going out behind his brother's back so all the time she's in she's like coming over to the house she's she's hooking up with the with noah um I there was one part where where his mom came and said hey um i'm gonna get some of your laundry she said no mom is all right because they were in the bed making out and she was like I think she was in um I don't know I think she might have been in her underwear or something like that but um she she ended up going underneath his bed and I was crying because there was there was there was a a porno magazine and um which was open and it had like I think there was like a jar of like I think it was like petroleum jelly or something like that and I was crying. I was like, wait, what is that? I was like, oh no. I was like, why his girl gotta see this? But I was like, I guess typical teenager stuff, so I can't I can't really knock it, but it was just so funny to see she's like, Oh, what is that? And then she's hiding and she's trying to get this the mom's trying to get the sock underneath the bed so she just kinda like pushes the sock towards her mom his mom. And his mom did not know any of this was going on. So, I was, like, kind of glad for it. Um, there was another part where I think Lee had, um, I think Lee almost discovers them twice. Like, at least twice before. And, um, there was a part where Elle gets injured. She hurts her head. And she gets a scrape. And Lee thinks it's Noah. And he's like, no, I fell and it's fine. He's just giving me a, um... You know a bandage and stuff like that so the two almost start fighting and it's like the, it's it's just like typical boy behavior but you know it's later on discovered that Noah is planning to go away to college and he's going to Harvard because as much as he likes to fight and he's like the resident bad boy he still is like you know a really smart dude and you know, he, he's really like putting in that work. So she said, well, um, you know, when were you going to tell him? He's like, you know, don't make a big deal out of it and don't tell anybody, please. So that was two secrets that they had to keep. Eventually, um, it comes out that, uh, Lee discovers them kissing in his room and noah and lee start um start to argue so um she tells noah to back off so she goes to talk to lee as soon as lee um her start to talk and she tells him listen i'm sorry i didn't mean to um do this and he was like telling her like you know he's not gonna care about you he's just gonna use you like the rest of the girls and she's like it's not like that and he was and she was saying and then noah had came down to try to talk to him and then he started trying to fight and he was like just listen like so he kind of like straddled him to try to stop him from forcing like some from to fighting and and she said and he said well at least the two of you haven't slept together and at that point they already had their first time was um by the hollywood sign and they they were right under the first L. <laughs> um, it was like a sweet tender moment because he had to tell her that you know we didn't have to do this if you don't want to, and she was like, no, I want to do this. It's fine. And so, her best friend's brother took her virginity. So, but at that time he's a boyfriend now because he, you know. But I think there is an issue with the age range because since he is going off to college, so you couldn't assume that Noah is already eighteen and going off to college, or and Elle was a uh, a junior in high school, so you give or take she's sixteen, so there might be a little age, an age um, questionable age right there, unless he's like seventeen, but we don't know. They never really specify. I'm only going according to, to the grades because Noel was already in a senior and going off to college. And, um, and, uh, I was a junior in high school. So she had one more year left in high school. Anyway, um, eventually they have prom and I think originally uh, Noah wanted to take Elle to prom and she was kind of like dead set against it because then when they showed her, um, they did a tribute to her and Lee about the kissing booth and Lee did the reenactment with his girlfriend and Noah came wearing a suit and he looked really handsome in it and she was like, I was like no I can't do this because I hurt Lee and Lee was pretty much still on that whole well I don't want y'all two together type of thing being you know typical friend and you know but one of the rules had said that you know you should be happy for your, 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 your best friend and then it got to the point where she was like I can't do this anymore because I love him and you're kind of it's like You found your happiness And let me find mine It's my mistake to make So when they had their birthday party It was a costume party And he dressed up as Batman And uh She dressed up as like I think a 60's Um a 60's Superhero chick cause she kinda had like The long hair She could have been one of the Spice Girls I really didn't really know what her outfit was But it's discovered that uh, she said Noah was leaving To go off to school And she wanted to um, Tell him how she felt And she t- spoke to Lee and told Lee Listen I have feelings for your friend And this can't This can't work Like I, I want to be with him And he was like well I hope you know what you're doing She's like yes I know but It's my, my choice and my mistakes to make You know And I'm sorry if it hurts you, but I really and truly in love with him. So he was like, Okay, um, I know where he's at, I'll meet you on five. So he goes, um, meets up with her in the car. And she's like, Okay, I gotta go tell me, uh tell Noah how I feel. Um, that I love him and this and third and and come to find out and he was like, Well, you just did and she's like, What? And then apparently the Um, lee had switched costumes with his brother when um right before and apparently she was going to see uh noah off to school so noah and her spend the next couple of weeks being with each other before noah goes off to school and she ends up seeing him off at the airport and then it pretty much he left his motorcycle with her so she's riding it even though her father doesn't like the fact that the two of them are also together because you know about Lee's history with girls I mean Noah's history with girls I'm sorry and it just became like this uh this thing so now she's trying to discover herself and and you know wondering what's next for her and the upcoming um senior year and that's pretty much where the movie ends um I'm currently watching episode, two, um, excuse me movie two so I can't really give you much of a description on what's going on right now in that movie but yeah it, it, it's it's okay like I mean I like the kissing booth I thought it was kind of cute for what it was um you know it, it was really um interesting it's it is typical but I just don't like certain concepts like when there was one point where she was walking away and he got mad and he slammed his hand against the things like oh I'm talking to you and I'm like oh no we're not doing that like you're not yelling at me sir so it was one of those things that I really didn't like about Noah like he seemed kind of like a little bit too forceful when it came to certain things and also making the decision of not allowing um, her to date other guys, even though at the time they weren't even remotely romantically linked to each other, I felt that that was also a little bit too much and a little bit offensive because it was like, well, you why are you making the choices and the decisions for her, you know? And he's like, oh, but that's my 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 kid's my kid brother's friend, and I'm like, that's not the point. Like, you don't do that, you know? So it was just one of those, um, I appreciate you being protective, but that was a little too much. So those little things about Noah that I really kind of didn't like too much because it was just like, okay, he could be a potential problem in the future. Um, he's always quick to anger and stuff like that. And it's like, uh, it's a bit much, but I guess she could see the good in him, you know? And I like the fact that he went and he had a straightforward conversation with her dad after everything had came out and he had a man-to-man with him. And he's like, listen, sir, I know you don't want me to be with her and stuff like that, but I really do love your daughter and I really want to be with her. And, you know, regardless of what you say or not. So I think the father respected him enough that the boy came to him and told him that how he felt about everything, regardless of what the father might have said. So I respected that he he said that much because he put, he put it out all on, on the table Um, In front of the father and just told him how he felt like he didn't really mean for all of this to happen He didn't start out, you know catching feelings for his daughter and he knows about his reputation But it's just like there's something about Elle and then you know He he would love to take her to prom if she wanted him to like he he put his best foot forward Um even to the point where he didn't even originally tell the father Why he got in detention the first day of school because he was trying to defend her honor. So it was like, you know, you could kind of see the good qualities in Noah, but you could see the bad qualities in Noah. And but that's like typically with anybody. But it's just that you could see like he he's he's not a really a bad guy, but he just has these tendencies. So it it was kind of like it was all right. I I I guess it was okay for what it was. so, right now, I'm currently watching the sequel, and when eventually, when the third movie comes out, I guess I'll be watching that, too. So, um, that's all I have for the kissing booth. Alright, so I know you guys are are expecting me to talk about the Ripper series about the Yorkshire murders, um, because I know that, you know, today's episode is kind of long. Um, the Ripper is basically about these uh, murders that happened back in the 70s and 80s. Um, I don't know if it still happened in the early 90s, but I know the time frame was like in the 70s and 80s where um, this guy, uh, Peter Sutcliffe, had been running around killing a lot of um, women in the 70s and 80s. And I believe maybe in the early, early nineties, I'm not too sure. I think it might've been, no, I think he might've been locked up by then. Um, basically it was about the whole police investigation on catching the guy who was like the modern day equivalent of Jack the Ripper by the end of his killing spree. It is known that he had killed at least maybe 13 women over the course of, of, of the time frame, and assaulted uh, maybe I think well, maybe ten more in the process because there was more victims that were still alive um, that they've mentioned to the police about who this guy. The this guy's M.O. His M.O. was to hit some hit the, hit women in the head, and he would um, either stab them, and he just leaves them in various parts of of the city like Leeds, and he was just he was just like pretty much almost all over the map and the police at the time i don't think they really understood who they were dealing with in in terms of the the mo but they basically alluded that the guy was killing prostitutes because um a lot of cases the women that he was killing were Uh, mothers and they'll be outside at night um so they wanted to allude that these women were prostitutes I think maybe one or two might have been actual prostitutes but they put the stigma out there that the guy was hunting down only prostitutes and except for the the one one um fortunate victim was 16 years old and she was working at a store and was on her way home at night when he killed her so put in, in the interviews you could tell that the police had it wrong from the beginning but they still alluded to that this was the was, was his modus operandi and it was just like dude really then they found out later on that one of the police police um, officers had investigated and even spoken to him as a suspect. When he had given his captain the information, the, the captain pretty much did nothing and it just sat on on the desk and that was it. So it was like this knowledge that you guys could have caught him a lot sooner by maybe a couple of years. And he wouldn't have had victim number 13, you know? So it was kind of like, Jesus Christ, like, are you serious? Like, you guys could have stopped him a lot sooner if you guys just paid close attention to all the evidence. Like, I understand it was like a large area that they were working around because he wasn't always killing in the same area. He would move out of the area, go into a different city and then kill someone there and then move on and do, and do it in another city and then probably go back to, um, to where he was from. So it was like when they finally discovered who he was and by saving grace, the girl that he was with, he told her not to say anything and he got picked up by, by a couple of beat cops. It was like, holy crap, this guy fits the description of what we were looking for. And finally he got arrested. I was just like, so, I always get mad when I hear like a police officer had given, he had all the facts right there. And then when he goes to his superior officer and he tells them, hey, this is the stuff that I got, the info that I got and nobody follows up on it. And then another murder happens and like that really gets me mad because it was like you had the evidence there you had it it shouldn't have to take these other two cops to go and find him and finally get this guy arrested and then when they 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 bring in the potential victim for questioning and she starts telling him stuff and then they find a hammer close by where his car was i was like are you freaking kidding me you guys thank you guys for for saving this woman's life but look at all the other persons that he he killed beforehand that this could have been prevented if you guys had just listened to that one freaking cop like so it was just like really unsettling to to hear that um and it was like a really good series like i i like watching documentaries and stuff but it was just like i was just so annoyed by the fact that you know you had it's like it was r- right there and it's just people dropped the ball and i think that's a lot of and that's like one of the major problems with like the police investigations because people always seem to drop the ball all the time in certain things and especially when you're working with a lot of um detectives and then you guys have to share information it's kind of hard especially in certain times like in certain eras and certain decades Sometimes you didn't, we didn't have the technology that we have now. And a lot of times back in the day, certain cities and certain police departments didn't talk to other um, police departments um, along the way. So it was one of those, what was it? Think, certain cases stayed in house and other cases stayed in-house in house in a separate district. So there was never like really a proper correspondence between the two. It was like it was literally working one case and having two investigations and then keeping two separate things even though they should they talk to each other and take notes and, and and pick each other's brains about what's been going on and 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 you know how to capture this person luckily they captured him and when they said a lot of people was like this guy you would think that he would have been some guy that people would notice but he wasn't somebody that, you know, anybody would have paid attention to. So I guess that's why we made it so easy for him to do what he what he did and get away with it for so long. So and he kind of modeled, try to model himself as the original um, Jack the Ripper from the Whitechapel murders back in the 1880s. So it was like, okay, this guy thinks, and he, you know, even his handwriting and the letters that he sent to the police, it was like certain things that he would say were coinciding along with um, that of Jack the Ripper. So it was just like, okay, this is nuts. Um, I guess the only saving grace is that he passed away last year in 2020. And I was like, well, good riddance to to, to old rubbish you know it's like you did all of these murders and not only that he was married and I think he even had kids himself so it was just like it always boggles my mind because typically you would think like a serial killer um would be like the like the typical loner and you know not part of society like they won't they're really more like introverted type people but when you hear them, there's like white cop like you know blue collar got a wife and kids at home and you're out here like it never ceases to amaze me like it's like what every time you hear something like that it's like oh my god seriously like he had his whole life whole family and he's out there doing that so you know it, it it's just it just boggles my mind um But yeah, if you guys want to check out the Ripper um, series, it's on Netflix. I believe it came out um, sometime in December. So um, check it out. I think it's about maybe six episodes, if I'm not mistaken. It might be eight. Um, Just check it out if you want to, if you love documentaries. And now for Love Olympus, this is going to be my last review, last topic for the day. Because I got to go and pay some bills. Um, Love Olympus, which is a a Webtoons um, comic by Rachel Smythe. I am in love with this series. Like, I'm in episode, I believe I'm in episode. um, I think I've just now entered the 40s. And I'm nowhere near close to ending season one yet. I think I have like maybe 60 some odd episodes to go. It's a long, is a long season. Um, I absolutely adore reading this, this story. Like, I love the fact that Hades and Persephone, because they were always my favorite couple in Greek mythology. And my favorite god is Poseidon because I love water and I love the sea. I can't swim, but I love it. Um, I think for me, um... What I really enjoyed about it is the way how Rachel tells the story of um, these characters. Like they seem very relatable. Like Persephone is like very, you know, she's very youthful. She's smart, but she could come off kind of like a little timid. And she, if she, I, I really feel like she would be the type to get. Under, Aerie, uh, excuse me, under Hades skin, but in a good way. Like for instance, there was this one uh, scene that I recently read where she plays chess with him. I'm not going to tell you in what context, like what was around the whole story about it, but she makes it look like she is not able to play chess. Like she's going to get washed up. He's going to beat her in like two minutes and you know, that's it. But When she offers to play him in chess, now obviously he thinks he has the advantage because, you know, she's young, she's inexperienced. But then when her demeanor changes and she starts playing the game, she beats him. And he's like, what? So it was one of those, like, she could kind of come off, I wouldn't say ditzy, but she doesn't know everything, but she low-key knows everything. So she's not as, she's not as, as as maybe dumb as a lot of people think she might be because she might come off that way but she is very smart very intelligent 19 year old persephone and who lives with artemis and (laughs) in an apartment and um she's very um very intelligent and she and she seems to have a, a thing for cerberus the dog loves and adores her like it even broke away from the underworld to go and find out where she was Like i guess it must have smelled her scent so she goes and she puts um a wreath of 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 pearls around its head and then it goes back to the underworld and hades is like what is this on the dog so i think for me I love this story because it's so cute. But it's such a, uh, even though that it's drawn in a way that's kind of cutesy, to me at least, it's not chibi cute, but it's cute enough because the characters represent different colors. Like Hades, uh, I keep saying Hades. Yeah, it is Hades. Hades is like a dark blue as opposed to her hot pink. So when she goes into the underworld, the the color, her pink color pops against the blue, and when he goes out, you know, traveling, his blue kind of pops with everything else around him in his environment, so I like that, I like how certain, color, how certain characters are portrayed by certain colors, like, um, like Hera, she's yellow, so she's the goddess of, it's like, almost like she has a, this vibrant light about her, you know, even though she could be quite a you know, handful. And, uh, Zeus is like a, like an indigo or something like that. You know, he has long, long flowing hair. So, I like the storytelling between Hades and Persephone. Even though, that they're not the main, they're, they're not the only story that's being told. Like, they mentioned the story of Eros and Psyche. And I thought that that was really a good, um, storytelling on that part is just like i like the fact that how she makes it more modern and more relatable in terms of like how the characters are being portrayed like you could tell that you know these are characters that you could support and get behind like these are actual people you know that have real problems so i think i like that about her her storytelling um but yeah right now i'm in currently i think in episode 40 41 somewhere right there and so right now i'm like maybe two years but three years behind because the story started in 2018 um so i'm a few years behind obviously so i need to like catch up um but when i do i get so caught up in the story and i'm like i want to know what's what's happening next and next and next and next but i gotta slow down because i have other things that i have to review but yeah guys um honestly i can't tell you enough about uh lore olympus um there's other things that i'm going to be reviewing in episode 4.5 um but hopefully i could get some time to watch these things and and record episode 4.5 um maybe tomorrow or later on tonight and just upload it tomorrow for you guys so you have that to watch uh and listen to excuse me but without further ado i'm going to be out i obviously been doing this for over an hour and this is my longest show so far guys and i'm like wow i can't believe it um i just want to make some quick notes uh remember follow me on instagram and twitter at samantha kp exp at 218 um that's samantha kp uh, sc- excuse me samantha k 218 on Instagram and Twitter. My blog is also the Samantha K Experience dot dot com. You can also find me on the Samantha K experience dot dot com for more updates and just me um you know talking my stuff on there. You can also follow me on Facebook at facebook.com slash Samantha K E X P two eighteen as well. That is my official um blog page uh, that page is based off of my blog spot page um and so on and so forth for any other content that you wish to um view i have some pictures on there for some previous fashion shows and also a convention that i went to a few years ago called the uh women in comics convention and i took some pictures of uh, some artworks and some and some other designs from fellow um, artists and comic, comic book artists um, around. So, you guys are interested in that? You're welcome to to read that and or view that. And I am out of here, guys. Until next time, peace. Samantha K here from the Samantha K experience. Just want to let you know new episodes on Wednesdays and Saturdays. You don't want to miss it. See you then.